Support for the Capital Connection comes from New York State United Teachers, working to support students, educators, and public schools as the center of their communities through the Public Schools Unite Us initiative and United University Professions, representing 37,000 academic and professional employees at SUNY campuses and teaching hospitals across New York State. Frederick E. Cole, President, UUPinfo.org. It's the Capital Connection. Delighted back with us this week is New York State Assembly Majority Leader Crystal Peoples-Stokes. She's a Democrat from Buffalo's 141st Assembly District. We welcome back Majority Leader Crystal Peoples-Stokes. Great to have you back on the Capital Connection. Well, thank you. What a pleasure it is always to be here. Well, it's the discussion that matters, and you're always up for it, and I do appreciate that. Majority Leader, let's just start with an open-ended question What's keeping you up at night these days? What are you thinking about in terms of New York State? And, and I know there's a lot of problems, but is there anything in particular right now you're thinking about? Actually, there there are a lot of problems. and But I think the thing that I think about the most that distracts my sleep at times is how we continue to allow racism to permeate our society. I mean, after 200, 300 years of being around here, why are we still judging people based on their race as opposed to treating everybody the same way? And so I think that's the thing that concerns me the most, because if you look through not just New York state government, but I would say federal government, there's just far too many of the policies, rules and regulations that are implemented and disseminated from a racial lens as opposed to from a human lens. And so I think that's the thing that, you know, distracts my sleep more than anything. So I I stay prayerful about it. Is there a crisis with leadership these days? I mean, if you look at, for example, the former president right now and the rhetoric that he fostered when he was in office, you see the divisions among the Republicans and the Democrats at their all-time high. You even had a Republican lawmaker and a union head yesterday almost come to blows in a hearing where independent Bernie Sanders had to say, stop it, stop it, you know, and that's not the only time we've seen that, certainly in Washington, but the idea that the divisions and the hatreds and with the latest in Israel and Gaza driving up the anti-Semitism and all sorts of other hatred in the state, even prompting the governor to come out and have to put money into a task force to try to figure out what we can do to, to deal with this issue, how can we get along as a multicultural state, country, if we don't respect each other and eradicate the ignorance? Well, you know what? I'm I'm stuck on the golden rule. I learned that as a child, both in school and in my from my parents and in church. You simply treat people the way you want to be treated. And clearly there are a lot of hurt people in our society because they have been treated wrong. And I think we see some of that playing out in government now. I don't know how these gentlemen who were about to come to blows on the floor of the legislature at a hearing, I don't know what it is in their past that hurt them, but something did. And it is 
permeating itself into a place that it should not be. There's such a need for people to get help with mental health. I mean, hurt people hurt other people. And people who are raised to dislike people, I think they end up being hurt people. And as a result of that, they go out hurting others. There are just way too many bullies in our society. It seems like we're raising them <laughs> instead of just the opposite. We should be teaching people the value of treating your neighbor the way you want to be treated. However, if you're so used to being treated in a negative and bad way, then you push that off on other people. And so I, I, I don't know how we fix these problems, but I do know that at the end of the day, um, God is no respecter of persons. And we should not be either. We should be treating people like we want to be treated at all times. If we can just get to that, we'd be in a much better place. Yeah, and when you combine that hate, we've already seen it time and time again. You and I and so many others have been over this in conversation. You had to deal with it right there in Buffalo with a mass shooting. Then they continue, and now the latest in Maine. You know, we we have to, as you say, find a different outlet to deal with these problems. But right now we've got a big one, and that's guns. That's a big one. That's a big one. But, you know, um, it is a business, and it needs a market. And apparently it's found this market, both in a inner city communities amongst young black people and um, in suburban and rural communities amongst young white people who have been obviously mistreated and they feel like they need to go and mistreat other people and, you know, shoot up movie theaters and supermarkets and all sorts of things. These things are not innate. They're, They're taught these things. They learn these things by their experience in life. And I don't know how we'll ever, you know, rid ourselves of guns. I don't think in a way we probably won't, but I do think we need to make sure that no one has access to them that does not have the proper licensing or permitting and training to have. Because if you do, then you have an ability over the person next door to you who doesn't have a weapon that puts you in a higher position than them. And that shouldn't be. That should not be. Um, So I, as a person who actually has a gun permit, I mean, I actually don't have a weapon, but I have a permit to carry one. I think people should have a right to carry one, but I don't think you should do that without access to the proper licensing for it. And I'm guessing you were willing to wait for a full background check before you got that permit. No worries. Check my background. Do all the details that you have to do. As a matter of fact, do whatever you have to do to make sure that I'm not just going to go out and hurt other people. Make sure you, you need to make sure of that. Otherwise, why would you want me to walk into Walmart and buy something that could hurt a lot of people? In in a society that's supposed to be where we live with some sort, some level of safety, I'm totally opposed to it. And um, I I know that I live in a community in of Western New York where there are a lot of people who are adamantly opposed to every move that we make at state level to prohibit people who should not have weapons from having them. And I don't mind going to talk to them. And at the end of the day, we may end up disagreeing on this topic specifically, but we still end up being able to communicate. And I, I, I think at the at the end of the day, we we may not always agree, but we still have to be able to communicate without wanting to yeah. punch somebody or, or, or fight or 
um, stop progress just because it isn't happening the way we would like to see it happen. We have to be able to communicate with each other. And as you mentioned earlier, we uh, this country elected a, a reality star as a president. And so we're still playing out his, his, his act because there's nothing real about what they're pushing forward here. It's all an act. Everybody wants to be more important. Everybody wants more followers on Twitter. We should be trying to figure out how do we get better services to the people who we represent and that we serve. Because if we get a better uh, life for these folks, the cost of government could go down. And there won't be much for those at the top to steal. Or what will be left is for those people who actually do need it. I think we can treat people how teach people how to empower themselves. And I really wish we'd focus more on that. We're speaking with Assembly Majority Leader Crystal Peoples-Stokes, and I want to continue that conversation a little further, because before we came on, I told you about a Pulitzer Prize winner. Her name is Anna Wolf, and she's written for Mississippi Today. She won the Pulitzer Prize for work looking at the welfare system in Mississippi and how they distributed resources to help the poor. Turned out they weren't doing such a good job, including many of it going to middle-class folks and rich folks. But the point being that in the end, the folks at the bottom were getting crumbs. And when you mention people struggling in life to get a leg up, is part of this just paying people a living wage? A huge piece of it is paying people a living wage because, by and large, people want to work. But if you have a job that doesn't pay you enough or pays you just over the amount where you can still get food stamps or you can still have Medicaid to cover your health care needs for you and your children, it's unlikely you're going to keep that job if you're going to lose those benefits. And so you've created an opportunity by doing not giving a living wage to make people dependent on these services that they could go for, away from if they could just get a living wage. And so I think that there needs to be a concerted effort, and some of that's already happening here in western New York, and I would like to see it happen across the state, where employers are, are educated that about the reality of the taxes that you pay as an employer that provide people with um, Medicaid and food stamps, perhaps that can go down if you would just simply give them a living wage because they would not need to have that service. And so everybody has to be all in on this one. This is not, you know, one area where it can be there's a solution. Everybody has to be all in on how do you create the American citizen that is um, responsible and a contributing adult to our society. That's the way we're going to lower the cost of government. There's no other way. for We're not going to tax our way out of this. We're not going to keep in raising taxes, raising taxes, or decreasing taxes, decreasing taxes, and get people to a place where they can live independently as contributing members of our society unless we're going to be treating them fair, providing for a, a good quality education, getting them access to quality health care, and providing a living wage. People need to have a living wage. Yeah, health care, education, and housing, right? I mean, housing is another big deal and if you can own your own deal. home. I mean, this is an important thing. We're seeing that New York has fallen way behind in that in terms of home ownership, the capital region especially. I just saw a report on that. But those three areas are the most expensive things that people struggle with in life, right? I mean, education, health care, and housing. Well, they're all necessities. They're all necessities of life. And we just have to figure out a way to help people get to that. By the way, you know, there are a lot of still very obstructing policies that 
business is allowed to do, both insurance and banks that prohibit some people from ever being in a place where they can own a house. <laughs> Redlining still exists, even though it's not supposed to, it does. Um, your zip code matters when it comes to getting access to resources to own a house and to even get insurance. And it matters in terms of the amount of education you're going to get aid because of the property tax it, formula. It does, That does matter as well. Although the education doesn't matter what they charge you for insurance, zip code matters <laughs> there. Sure. sure. Let's move on to another story. Now, this is sort of big news. And forgive me for asking you about this, but your name came up. I think you know what it's about. Western New York Congressman Brian Higgins says he's going to leave office before the end of his current term early next year after 19 years. The Buffalo, New York Democrat says he's grown frustrated with dysfunction in the U.S. House of Representatives. Higgins is credited with leading the efforts to revitalize Buffalo's waterfront. His departure could lead to a special election next spring in New York's 26th congressional district. The district includes parts of Erie and Niagara counties, including cities of Buffalo and Niagara Falls, Okay, so here are some of the names. State lawmakers on the list from Buffalo include State Senator Sean Ryan. Oh, wait, and then there's you, State Assembly Majority Leader Crystal Peoples-Stokes. Now, Ryan said it's just way too early in the game. You are quoted here saying from a Spectrum article I read that you're honored to be part of the conversation but not made any thoughts on that, and you're just going to wait things out. Uh, There's going to be a lot of movement, you say, going on around here in western New York. And you're going to let it play out. But uh, we also have people like uh, the county executive in Erie County, Mark Pollencars, and Buffalo Mayor Byron Brown. Former, you know, These are all speculation. Former Buffalo Mayor candidate India Walton and former congressional candidate Nate McMurray. You're on the hot seat now. Crystal People Stokes, Assembly Majority Leader. Are you still holding firm to I'm waiting it out? I am still holding there. Um, you might know this. I actually ran for that congressional district back in 1998. That's right. And so when it became available again, when Brian Higgins ran, I thought about it, but I had just become a state legislator. Yeah. And sometimes I think it's a bit disingenuous to allow your ambition to move you to a place that you literally just ask voters to put you one place. And now all of a sudden you want to jump to something else. So I wouldn't do it when Brian Higgins uh, ran for it 19 years ago. But honestly, um, I am still letting it play out. Uh, People are calling me. People immediately said, well, wait a minute. Why are they just talking about guys here? They should be talking. Why is your name not mentioned? And I was like, listen, it's probably because I haven't thrown my name out there. I personally haven't thrown my name out there. Right. personally probably won't until I've made some conclusive decision. But uh, again, I will repeat, I am honored that people think it should be me. Um, However, um, people didn't think I should be majority leader, and I am, and I I think have been doing an admirable job uh, to the best of my abilities at that. And so, Who who didn't think uh, you should be majority leader? Well, I won't name names. <laughs> I won't name names. That's not, I'm not good at put, you know putting people on. That's fine. That's fine. When when they're wrong, they're wrong. Sure. But you know what? I'll say it to them personally, but I won't say it you know publicly, publicly because sure. again, I practice the golden rule: treat people like you want to be treated. Um, but honestly, I you know I, I'll, I'll keep talking to my family about it, and we'll, we'll see what, what plays out. And the truth is, you are majority leader, right? I mean, you might have. Right. I mean, I don't know. I don't know this for sure, but you might have more influence in that position in New York than trying to go into the Congress. And by the way, 
I want to say the reason that Brian is leaving is the precisely the reason I don't see why people would be clamoring for it. Exactly. I mean, you kind of just mentioned yesterday they're in a, an official hearing, and there's about to be a fisticuff between a city member of Congress and somebody who came to testify in front of them. That makes me almost nauseous. Like, you know, people fought for this government, and, you know, they're, they're, we're supposed to hold it in high regard. And to act like that on your job is not a good thing. And there are multiple people there who do that. They raise money based on their ignorance. And I'm going to call it that because that's what it is. Well, then the argument um, might so be no, we, I, need a, we need a more calming force in the Congress, someone who will treat people with respect and dignity. And that could be you. Well, we do need that. I, I will say that that's, that's definitely needed there. There's no question about that. We need that in, in, in our juice. All of our legislative branches, we need it in our judicial branches as well, and executive. But, you know, we'll see what happens. Well, and when we do see what happens, I hope you'll join us to discuss it when you finally uh, make that decision. If I'm making any, any decision like that, it will be my pleasure to allow you to be one of the first people to hear it, because I really respect your show a lot, and I respect what you all do here. I thank you so much for those comments. Well, we are speaking with Assembly Majority Leader Crystal Peoples Stokes. And one of the things I was focused on this week in my news duties for WAMC is the trouble with the Amtrak going down in New York City. I don't know if you've been noticing this, but we had a warehouse in Albany that was crumbling not so long ago and caused problems on the tracks. We had a piece of a property mudslide, landslide come down on the tracks. And now the latest is a building in New York City, a privately owned building that's hanging over the tracks that's crumbling. I mean, infrastructure, infrastructure, infrastructure. I know the governor sent her team down there to assess the situation and things are back up and running today on a delayed schedule as we speak on a Thursday. But how can this be happening in 2023? You can't get the train in New York City because things are crumbling all around. That's just straight crazy, right? Uh, someone has been derelict. Uh, property owners in every community, their rules on, you know, what condition you should have your property in. And when governments, local governments, allow property owners to maintain um, buildings that are crumbling in their communities, it impacts us all. And now it's impacting Amtrak and the rails between, you know, getting to New York City. It makes absolutely no sense. So I, I, I think, you know, property owners should be held accountable. Um, we There was a lot of debate on a bill in the legislature this past session um, where, you know, and, and it's happening in western New York where executives are like, listen, we can't let you keep holding vacant, derelict property in our community just because you pay taxes on it. you got to take care of it, too. And if you can't do that, then we're going to take it. Now, I don't like the terminology eminent domain, but sometimes we have to think about that. Because when people won't do right, we have to do right in the best interest of the whole. I wonder if you might have to do that in some cases, because let's say that property down there, there had been rain, heavy, heavy rain which they believe was part of, you know, what caused that piece of land to give way. So with climate change, you may have situations now where with the tracks so close to the river, the state may have to do something or the federal government may have to do something to, to claim eminent domain to make it so it's a, a safe ride. They, they may have to do that and they should be willing to give it thought because if you wait 20, 30 years 
for the other person to do it and they haven't done it, uh, then you're just as derelict as they are. Crystal People-Stokes, I, w- I do want to ask you, since we mentioned just a moment ago the idea of climate change and certainly the tax on our environment that we have from pollution, uh, Tish James, the Attorney General out in Buffalo, uh, in your neck yeah, of the I woods, and coming I after... on yesterday, yeah. And she's going after PepsiCo because of all the plastics they're finding in the river. Your thoughts? Somebody, somebody has to do something. And I, you know, I applaud her and her efforts because not that PepsiCo is not a good company. It is. But it's not a good company if you're just going to keep allowing your trash to be in our water that we need for survival. So, you know, thank you, Attorney General, for making them to be held accountable. And I think they will be held accountable. I think they will step right up to the plate and do what they're supposed to do as a company. But sometimes you have to be forced. Much like these property owners, they have to be forced or either someone else will have to do it for them. Well, I think many of the consumers in New York want the legal cannabis industry to be forced to open more shops. You and I have been talking about this for a while. There has been a slow roll. What a great segue that was. <laughs> and we thank you. We've been we've been trying to figure out how we're going to get this up and running right and you know, there's been a lot of problems along the way, including having to open up farmers markets for those farmers who've been growing crops that've been sitting there and you know, one thing after another lawsuits and whatnot. Are we going to get this thing going or what? Well, I hate we are going to get it going. And we're going to get it going in a way exactly the way that it was designed. Unfortunately, we probably were, are going to see more lawsuits because it's a very large market, and the people who are super wealthy and want to control that market don't have control, and they want it. And so if they get a chance to stop it again, they will. Uh, hopefully they won't because, quite honestly, every time they stop the ability to – for these farmers' products to be put into um, card stores or social applicant stores, then they're stopping themselves, too, because it's just going to take them longer to get access to what they have right to get as a, res- as a result of the, the legislation, because the legislation does allow them to open up adult-use facilities. But they can't open those until they can't open those until the others are already open. And so the, the more delays they put, the more delays they're delaying themselves. Um, and it's unfortunate, but I do believe um, what the judge said this past week um, is a, a, by allowing, you know, at least the card applicants to go forward and the Office of Cannabis Management taking applications from across the board for, from anyone um, that fits the criteria, then I, I think that this says that we're we're moving towards our goal. And I would like us to keep in mind that we're only talking three years here. You know, there are other states and other countries that implemented legal adult use initiatives that did not get up and going to sometimes in many cases for five years, six years. And, you know, it's it's just a, it's, it's a struggle. It's creating a new industry, a governmental new industry. It's, it's easy to create a new industry without government and bureaucracy and, you know, civil service and all the rest of that that comes with it. But, you know, we're going to get there. I, I feel fully committed about that. And I, that's, that's not something that I lose sleep over because it will happen. Now, what about your speaker, Hasty? He is all the way across the state. He's in New York. You're in Buffalo in terms of district, at least. But how's your relationship going these days? Do you talk it's regularly? It's amazing. It's amazing. This is a guy that I met way before he was speaker and way before I was a state legislator. So the same level of communication that we had back then, 
um, you know, talk football, talk children, talk lives, that we still do that, as well as talk business, state business. The only thing we don't talk about much about that he likes a lot is baseball, and I don't really care for baseball, honestly. <laughs> I will watch it, but, you know, only when it gets to the World Series. You got any direct line to uh, to Josh Allen? I mean, can you push him a little bit or what? Mm, I wish I could. I, I don't think Josh is the problem, honestly. <laughs> I don't think he's the problem. I think management is more the problem, and, you know, they have a, a great group of uh, young men who can really – play football well, but they have to be coached properly. And that's not to say anything necessarily wrong with the coach, but he's not getting his job done. By the way, what's the latest with the new stadium? Things are moving, progressing along. Uh, I'm not sure exactly where the um, community benefits agreement is. That's not something that I negotiated, so I, you know, I try to stay in my lane. But I know that uh, I have had communications with both um, their op- new operations guy that they have there as well as some of the people who are uh, with the the contractors that have been selected. And um, they understand that you, you're not going to build this building without giving everybody an opportunity to participate both business-wise and workforce-wise. So I feel confident that they're going to be working on that. Um, I will say this finally. I still constantly am in prayer for Kim Pagula because we literally had a different team when she was at the helm of it. This is no disrespect to her husband or anyone else in the Bills management at all. But there was just something different about her leadership and its impact on this team that we do not see today. And so I, I still do stay in constant prayer for her health. We'll have to leave it there. Another fascinating, interesting, and productive conversation with Assembly Majority Leader Crystal Peoples-Stokes. She's a Democrat from the Buffalo area and... The only thing I could ever say to you at the end of a conversation is, please promise me you'll come back again and join us on the Capital Connection. I promise. If you promise you'll invite me, I promise I'll come back. Promise made. (laughs) Promise kept. The Capital Connection is a production of WAMC Northeast Public Radio. You can listen to The Capital Connection anytime at wamcpodcast.org or anywhere you get your podcast. And join us again next week at this same time for another political conversation. For The Capital Connection, I'm David Gustina. Support for The Capital Connection comes from New York State United Teachers, working to support students, educators, and public schools as the center of their communities through the Public Schools Unite Us initiative.